Actually, technology is much more about culture than it's about IT or tools or tech or systems or, you know, and a lot of tech companies across the world, as you know, they dominate the Fortune 10, Fortune 50 rankings are not really that successful because they have very cool technology, but more importantly, because they have built the right culture. That was Jaspreet Bindra, a thought leader and practitioner in digital transformation, AI and Web3 technologies. He has previously worked as Chief Digital Officer at Mahindra Group and as the Regional Director of Microsoft India, amongst other leadership roles. He is also the author of the best-selling book, The Tech Whisperer, on digital transformation and technologies that enable it. LeaderCast is a podcast series by ISB Executive Education. This podcast features prominent business executives who are redefining functions and industries and what it means to lead in an era of accelerated change. Thanks a lot, uh, Jasprit, for being on the show. I thought we'll start off with the key question or a very the curiosity sort of kill the cat. So I was wondering, how did you come across this name, the Tech Whisperer? What made you adopt this unique moniker for yourself and the company? That's a great question. Actually, I, I guess it's on top of everyone's mind, but very few people actually ask me this. So I had a contract with Penguin to write my first book on digital transformation and the technologies around it. And this was in 2018, 2019. And uh, I, as all first-time authors do, was hugely behind time. You know, I was mm-hmm. I was not really focusing on it, didn't find time for it. And at the same time, was thinking of the right, you know, what should be the right title, etc. I was reading another book, which was about different whisperers, horse whisperer, elephant whisperers, etc. And right. basically, a dog whisperer, for example speaks to the dog in its own language so that the dog understands. And my book was about demystifying technology, demystifying digital transformation for the lay people. And so speaking in their language, okay, and therefore this kind of thing came that, look, why don't we talk about it? Why don't I call it the tech whisperer? Right. And frankly, because I found the right title, I found the motivation to write the book. And over the next three months, I completed it because I did not want anyone else to claim that title for the book. And because the book was reasonably successful, you know, it kind of the same title kind of got aligned with me also. And, <laughs> and so it's the title for my book. It's also the name for my company in uh, Cambridge now. Right. I did notice that. So that's quite interesting. And uh, yes, I was thinking about the Elephant Whisperer when this came in. But yeah, now I understand your motivation behind using this. Thanks. Thanks for that. So moving on from that, you know, given the fact that you're uh, the Tech Whisperer is all about demystifying tech, what is your view in with the rise of AI automation and remote work, how do you envision the future of work? And what do you think would be the skills that will be most crucial for success in that age? Sure. You know, the last three or four years have been quite almost revolutionary the way new technologies have come in and work has changed. And it's not only because of technology, it's also obviously because of the pandemic that happened. You know, there's a tweet that I really like, which says that, in technology, there are decades in which nothing happens, and then there are weeks in which decades happen. And actually, the last many weeks have been like that, especially with the coming of generative AI, etc. Now, there's been a lot of excitement around these new technologies, but also there has been fear. You know that you know this will take away jobs, it will change everything. There will be super intelligence, whatever. But the primary fear is around: will it take my job? And I believe that yes, there would be some jobs which be taken. But two things. One, if you look at history, 
look at any fundamental new technology that came in, definitely jobs went away. But the number of jobs that got created were always more. So net job creation was always more. Uh, and I think the same will happen in this case. We yet don't know what new kind of jobs will be there, prompt engineers, AI ethicists, many more. And certain jobs definitely will be taken, but net will be more. And the second thing is that I believe that AI will not take your job, but a person knowing AI will. Okay. And so the important thing is don't fear AI. So the important thing is fear the person who's learning better than you and adapting better than you and skilling better than you. That person is going to take your job, not one bot or a humanoid. And so you better be the person who uses these new technologies, especially ChatGPT, generative AI, and becomes better than the other person. And this is true for programming, for journalism, for teaching across the board. Thanks, Jasprit. That actually is encouraging that technology is not going to take away jobs, but it's going to be people who are skilled at the tech that who's going to be a competitor, not just the technology. Itself. Absolutely. But, you know, leading on from that, let's go back a little bit into the non-tech world, if I were to say so, in a, in a relative sense. You were previously with successful technology and marketing organizations like uh, Microsoft, Mahindra. What would you think are the core principles that leadership should focus on to ensure not just business efficiency, but also employee satisfaction and well-being? Sure. You know, this this can have a very wide set of answers since it's a wide question. So what I'll do is I'll again kind of frame it in this through a technology worldview in some sense where everything is changing. See, see today technology is not about coding or IT. Okay, technology is as much a life force as anything else. And in my mind, actually, technology is much more about culture than it's about, you know, IT or tools or tech or systems or you know AI or blockchain or whatever and the kind of work culture and the agility the way you do decision making the speed the accepting failure you know sometimes even celebrating it is is a cultural shift that technology has brought in and a lot of tech companies across the world as you know they dominate the fortune 10 fortune 50 rankings are not really that successful because they have very cool technology but more importantly because they have built the right culture okay to make to use technology to use data and make themselves super successful make themselves very agile and as things change around them they can pivot much faster than anyone else and so you know there are many things that in any company whether tech or non-tech that a ceo can do but if there was one thing that I would ask them to, okay, I would, I would expect is that you no longer should think of technology as one more tool or one more piece in the chessboard. It has become at your core and it's, it's how you adapt and change the culture. And culture, Amadu, always flows top down. It follows gravity, okay? And so, you know, you have to change at the top. And to kind of conclude, you know, about people again so many things can be said but in most companies today is the younger people are very keen to embrace change and it's usually the more senior people who are resisting it and if you let the younger people be i can assure you that you know an experiment and do all the cultural things that i told you it could completely change everything so i have kind of tried to reduce to it to one thing but there are many things we can talk about no and that's perfect you know we sometimes call cult-like culture, right? And it's it's important to have a culture because that's what defines an organization. So 
Absolutely. Thanks a lot for the just read. You know, you had earlier written about this holy trinity of digital transformation, business models, client experience, and people. So could you tell us a little bit more about the concept and why do you think that's an important aspect of digital transformation? Sure. Look, digital transformation is a big word. Okay. It has hundreds of definitions. Everyone has a different view. Everyone claims to be a digital transformation company in the tech world. But the way when I've been a student and more importantly, a practitioner of digital transformation for many, many years, you know, as the chief digital officer for the Mahindra group before that, after that, and I looked upon it from a practitioner viewpoint. And about five, six years back, Madhu, I created what I called the 10 commandments of digital transformation. It was actually the 10 rules. When it got published in Mint, it became commandments and it therefore got a religion, religious thing. And those 10 commandments <laughs> were a practitioner's view and they kind of became popular. And then what I realized was that while these commandments were good, it was very difficult to do all of them. And But there were three of those, which in my mind were compulsory for any digital transformation. And those three were how you look at new digital business models, how you use digital tools and technologies to reimagine the customer experience. And what we discussed before, how do you look at digital culture? And carrying that religion analogy forward, I found that most religions were founded on trinities. And obviously, I come from India, and so the Hindu holy trinity, where Brahma, because he creates, uh, business models also create businesses, so that was the creator. You need a certain level of customer experience to preserve the business, and therefore Vishnu came in as the preserver. And then there's only one destroyer, right? Uh, Shiva right. the destroyer is us, our culture, etc. And it kind of therefore fitted well together. In fact, now I'm thinking of a trinity for AI. So watch this space. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that was a very interesting take on technology and digital transformation and how it affects business as a whole. So great. So, you know, while digital transformation is almost prevalent across a lot of organizations today, everybody seems to be on that bandwagon. As an advisor, how do you guide companies to embrace the digital transformation journey? And during the journey, how do you help them navigate the challenges that come along with it, such as change management or you know things like data privacy concerns? You've asked me a year's worth of answer a question now. <laughs> but, but let me try and again, you know, kind of try and summarize. So it is very important, first of all, to understand that digitization and digital transformation are different. Okay. And I'm I'm not going to get into details, but digitization is much more about efficiencies. It's an inside-out thing. It's it has a, predictable ROIs, it's linear. Digital transformation on the other end is outside in. Something has changed in the customer and you need to change your business to meet those new needs. So outside in, more about top line than bottom line, not about efficiency. No predictable ROIs, leaps of faith. Okay, and so a lot of companies are doing the first very well, digitization. Okay, and it's very necessary. And most times consulting companies, etc., working with them, you know, how do you reduce cost, efficiency, etc., using digital tools. The second one is more difficult. And so I tend to work more in the second part. Many times both happen simultaneously. But it again, you know, while there are lots of details and I have a fairly detailed model in a sense, which I use, but many times it boils down to the Holy Trinity all over again. Okay. And you kind of look at the culture part is compulsory. And I tend to spend more than 50, 60% of the time on that part. And that's done at a, only at a CEO level. And I realized if the CEO is not accepting or not changing, it's not going to happen. 
it's just not going to happen. We right. might as well stop it. And there have been times when we've stopped it. And if he gets convinced, then, you know, comes all the, then you kind of deal with the change management, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, going forward. And you kind of start doing quick, dirty experiments around customer, around new business models, around customer experience and find the right thing. Mahindra, for example, one of the things we did was to create something like an Uber for tractors. Okay, right. which was a cannibalistic business to the whole tractor business of Mahindra, but it was a very different digitally enabled business model. Finally, the whole privacy and sector part is a very long separate answer, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but because that then delves into a complete area of ethics, etc. And so I will leave it out of this answer right now, but happy to discuss sure. that in, in the next few minutes that we have. Absolutely. Thanks, Jaspreet. You've recently written a lot about artificial general intelligence and uh, generative AI. That's the talk of the town, thanks to, you know, advent of ChatGPT. So how do you see this, these applications being helpful or harmful to mankind in the future? When I say mankind, more about business and people, obviously people are getting affected. So how is it that you look at these technologies and their impact in the future? So I've just completed a two years master's, a second master's in my life. You know, the first was an MBA before we met in Hyderabad, which is from Cambridge University, which is AI ethics and society. So the master's is focused on that. I just completed and frankly, two years of work hasn't given me the answer to your question yet. Okay, (laughs) And I know it's it's a difficult one, but you know, so first of all, one of the things I'm fond of saying, I call this my own little equation that GAI is not equal to AGI which means that generative AI is not the same as artificial general intelligence. So just because it's right. chat GPT doesn't mean that we have got a super intelligence out there. No, but definitely this is a major step, you know, fundamental new technology, which has come in, which, you know, we're still figuring out how it's going to change things. Now, what I believe is in certain areas, GAI, generative AI, will be assistive. So it will help us do new things, you know, uh, help a teacher teach better, help a lawyer do legal briefs better, help a marketer do better marketing, help because, you know, mm-hmm. to create more ideas and help an artist, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there's a system. Right. And that's already started happening across multiple functions. Some of it, mm-hmm. what we are still waiting for, but it will happen is in certain cases, it will be disruptive. Okay beyond a system. And I think marketing is one clear area, possibly. Software programming is another possibility. Healthcare and, you know, absolutely creating totally different new proteins and drugs, which we never knew, okay, uh, is the disruptive part of it. And so, but which has still not happened. Assistive part is still happening. But obviously, there's the other side. And I liken it to uh, nuclear technology, which has both the good and the very bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is also the bad here. And the bad is about plagiarism and about privacy and about bias and about environmental damage and about creating fake news and threatening democracies. And so there's a whole lot of work to do there, which I've started focusing on in the last couple of years and men, hundreds of others are. But, you know, it's up to us eventually, like in nuclear technology, it's up to us. You know, we could have and still can destroy the world with it. Right. Okay, to not take anything, frankly. Or we can use it for good and actually stop global warming with it. Okay, and so that's the same is true with this one. Great, great. Now, you did bring about this aspect of two things, right? One is your second mm-hmm. master's and about that being in AI and ethics as well. That's if I heard you right there. So my next question is going to be linked to the ethics part of it. Uh, so looking ahead, what do you think are the ethical considerations that should take precedence 
as we continue on this journey of advanced technologies being integrated into our daily life? Sure. So, you know, uh, some of it I've already spoken in my last answer, but two, three things. You know, this is the first technology where the creators themselves are asking for regulation. It's never happened before. Mm-hmm. Never, ever happened before. Right. Okay. Well, it happened before with nuclear, and I'll come to that. Okay. But with any other, it never happened. But here, Sam Altman and, you know, Demi Sasabis and everyone are kind of saying, the academics obviously are all over it saying that we need to have regulation. It's the first time that a G7 summit had a technology as one of the top three things that it discussed, the Hiroshima one, tellingly the Hiroshima one, which had China, Ukraine, and AI. Okay, so obviously there is a lot of world attention which is now focused on doing it the right way. Again, mm-hmm. I go back to the nuclear analogy that I used and add something there. It's a dual-use technology, much like nuclear. And the only way we could regulate nuclear, you know, some things were wrong, some things were right, but net-net, we so far, as of today morning, we haven't had another nuclear attack after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And, you know, right. so it's been touchwood successful. But the only way we could do that is when it, the regulation was happening at a global level, not at a country. Mm-hmm. The same thing, I believe, will need Correct. to happen for generative AI and AI. Great. Great. No, no, it's it's good to know that uh, there is going to be regulation around this because it's, you know, everybody is looking at it in a different way and everybody has got different ideas for it. At least some regulation would help it keep under, you know, sort of ring fenced or in a boundary, which is having some ethical use to the technology itself. So great. We we talked about, you know, all aspects of AI and AGI and generative AI. What do you think is, you know, the most exciting but underrated technology that is, or uh, in, uh, technology innovation that is yet to come out? And what is the potential for such a technology for creating a disruption? in the Oh, I am very, very clear about this answer. And it's not AI. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. In fact, it's not a digital okay. technology. Okay. The technology mm-hmm. that I'm personally most excited about, okay, and has the potential to absolutely change the world, save our planet, literally save our planet. One technology. It's the only silver bullet that we have left, frankly, and that is nuclear fusion. Okay, where you can create a fusion reactor at room temperature. Linked to that, linked to that, what we need for nuclear fusion and nuclear fusion using your easy, famous E is equal to MC square basically means that uh, accounting for all the losses which exist would mean that we will have unlimited clean energy. Right. And that that prop, the energy, dirty energy problem is what is destroying our planet right now. Linked to that nuclear fusion, and, and I'm very hopeful because there's stuff happening around the world, uh, especially in the US and a little bit in China, some in the UK. Linked to that is the technology around superconductivity. Without superconductor, room temperature superconductors, you can't do nuclear fusion. Something called LK99 came up recently, created a lot of frenzy. Mine. Tomorrow's article in Mint actually is about this LK99 thing. But if we kind of solve for this piece of technologies, it's the single most and underrated. And underrated, very few people know about it. And actually, the funding for it is a fraction of the funding for AI. Okay. And so that needs to go, though Bill Gates and Sektra are putting money, but it's a fraction. It's a single digit billion dollars rather than the tens or hundreds of billions it should be. And so that's my take, take, take on the, yeah, the new yeah, technology. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jasreed. I think, uh, you know, we have had a very uh, 
interesting discussion which has gone around various topics right predominantly centered around technology but technology and its uses technology and its impact technology and people culture that you mentioned about and then the latest technology disruption which can cause a lot of change and positive impact to mankind so thanks a lot for taking the time uh, congratulations on your second masters it's a topic i haven't heard about but it, i think it's it is relevant in the current scheme of things you know in in today's technology uh, world and it was wonderful having you here on this podcast and uh, wishing you all the best and the tech whisperer the person the company and the book all the very best for the future thanks well. madhu only caveat i haven't yet passed my masters i've just completed it so i'm still waiting for <laughs> so you okay. can congratulate me after that i'm joking no thank you very much for <laughs> no, no, this is this is advanced discussion and then look forward to be in Absolutely. touch thank you for uh, having me here. Sure thank you thank you so much Jasprit have a great day thank you bye bye